Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind affords us the opportunity to check out some of the recent conversations we've had on JM in the AM. In the aftermath of the amazing embassy celebration last week, the president of the ZOA, Zionist Organization of America, Mort Klein, joined us. Here was my conversation with Mort Klein on this edition of JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Im eshkachech Yerushalayim tishkach yemini. Song is called Jerusalem is calling. And if there's somebody who uh, who heard the calling of Jerusalem for decades, it's our special guest who's with us live via telephone. I will introduce him to everybody in a moment, but but Mort Klein, who who is who is the guest who I'll introduce in a moment, um he is a proponent of education. He is somebody who um, encourages us to educate our audience, our constituents. So I want to take a minute with all the hoopla and all the celebration of this week, and it is an amazing celebration. I think it's important to keep in mind how all this came about. The Jerusalem Embassy Act of 1995 is a public law of the United States of America passed by the post-Republican Revolution 104th Congress October of 1995. The proposed law was adopted by the Senate 93 to 5, the House 374 to 37. The act became law without a presidential signature November the 8th of 1995. The act recognized Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel and called for Jerusalem to remain an undivided city. Its purpose was to set aside funds for the relocation of the embassy of the U.S. in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem by May of 1999. For this purpose, it withheld 50% of the funds appropriated to the State Department specifically for acquisition and maintenance of buildings abroad as allocated in fiscal year 1999 until the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem had officially opened. Israel's declared capital in Jerusalem, but this is Israel's declared capital is Jerusalem, but this is not internationally recognized pending final status talks in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. As we know, despite passage, the law allowed the president to invoke a six-month waiver of the application of the law and reissue the waiver every six months on national security grounds. The waiver was repeatedly invoked by Presidents Clinton, Bush, and Obama. President Trump signed a waiver in June of 2017, but on June 5th, the U.S. Senate unanimously passed a resolution commemorating the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem, 90-0. to The resolution reaffirmed the Jerusalem Embassy Act and called upon the President and all U.S. officials to abide by its provisions. And on, and on December the 6th, President Trump recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital and ordered the planning of the relocation of the embassy. Um, We know what happened this past Monday. Mort Klein, president of the ZOA, Zionist Organization of America, was there. He literally has just landed back in the New York area, and I thank him because immediately he agreed to appear uh, for us on this program uh, after arriving back in the United States uh, from this incredible, amazing, and historic celebration this past Monday. Mort Klein, welcome back to JM in the AM. <laughs> this is a historic week, not only moving the embassy to Yerushalayim, but also ending the Iran deal. Right. Donald Trump has changed the world. He's made it safer, and uh, and he's made it clear to the Palestinian Arabs that their phony narrative is not going to continue to be accepted. Uh, He's really become a historic figure with these two acts. It is amazing. You're right. And we've encouraged our listeners to thank him profusely and to contact the White House and just shower him with thanks. Mort, let's go back for a moment. I want to talk about Monday. Obviously, you were there as an eyewitness and as a participant. But let's go back to 1995 because you had a big role in the in the uh, Jerusalem Act, in the passage of this law uh, that I cited back in 1995, I, I assume that even even you, the most enthusiastic supporter of Jerusalem, knew that from that law being enacted till when the embassy would actually be moved would take some patience, would take some time. 
But I think Monday reaffirms just how important your actions and others' actions in the 1990s were. No, when when Doug Feist and I, Mort Klein, went to see Senator John Kyle, Republican of Arizona, then arguably the best friend of Israel on the whole Senate, and urging him uh, to be, begin legislation to move the embassy, it, it went nowhere. We had five or six senators on it. Uh, I have to say Pat Moynihan and Joe Lieberman were on it. They were helping. Uh, but not until Robert Dole got on the bill, he was majority leader and running for president at the time, then we suddenly got 35 or 40 senators jumping on. I might add, only then <laughs> did APAC begin to lobby for it. They became frightened that maybe ZOA would be getting full credit for this important bill. <laughs> uh, and then the bill, when the bill passed, when the bill uh, was written, <laughs> we thought they are going to move the embassy. <laughs> but Dan Shapiro, who's the, the most recent ambassador to Israel, was then chief of staff to Senator Feinstein. He urged Feinstein to put in a waiver clause. <laughs> the waiver clause said, only don't move the embassy if there's a serious national security emergency. That's what it's written, something really serious. <laughs> in fact, Robert Dolan Kyle on the Senate floor said, do not invoke this waiver unless there's something really serious. If you invoke it, we're going to urge everyone to get rid of the waiver clause. But the waiver clause passed. We fought it, but we, it passed anyway. <laughs> and we thought the embassy was going to be moved. But frankly, I'm telling you the truth, Israel was not uh, uh, that happy about moving it then. They thought the, uh, that'll ruin the chances for peace. Uh, and the Jewish world, uh, APAC and others, were really not in favor of it. I'm just telling you the facts. <laughs> we did not believe it was going to be invoked every six months for 22 years. But the fact that it took almost 23 years to move it... <laughs> Mort, you there? Oh, I hope we didn't lose him. This is is way too good a history lesson. Mort, are you there, Mort Klein? Yes, There he is. Go ahead. Now we got you. The fact that it took 22 years to move it, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, And yet we're further, we haven't moved it for 23 years till now, and yet we're further from peace than ever. Makes it crystal clear Jerusalem is not the issue. The issue is Israel's very existence and acceptance of us as a Jewish state. Jerusalem is uh, just a, uh, a sideshow in terms of actually getting the peace. <laughs> By the way, so, uh, j- just as an aside, I have to interject for a moment. Um, for, for those of us who've observed Dan Shapiro in his role as ambassador, the story you just told um, really helps us understand what position he was coming from all along. <laughs> He's a very, I know him very well. He's a very smart guy, really knows how to make the case for the left wing. But he was always a strong left-wing guy and a strong supporter of uh, President Obama, who was the most hostile president to Israel we've ever had. And, uh, but even he this week said it was good that we're moving it. But, of course, he's still arguing we should give Eastern Jerusalem to the Arabs. He's still yeah. arguing that. Mort Klein's with us. He's literally just back from, uh, from Israel from this amazing uh, ceremony on Monday. All right, so what was it like being there on Monday? Uh, I know it took 22 years, much longer than you expected. What was it like seeing this happen in front of your eyes? It was thrilling. Not only were there major American officials from all over the country there and all over the world, but the Israelis in the streets were dancing and cheering in the streets. Overwhelming support in Israel for this. And uh, it was almost euphoric uh, uh, being there and seeing how excited everyone is. And I was urging people, <laughs> officials, to finally start telling the world, Jerusalem is not holy to Muslims. This should never have been an issue. Jerusalem is never mentioned in the Koran, not once in their holy book. <laughs> when they controlled it for 19 years, 48 to 67, they allowed it to be a slum. The majority of people living in Jerusalem since 1850 have been Jews. So this is, and I, no Jewish leader, no Israeli leader, except ZOA, ever says, tells the truth. Jerusalem is not holy to Muslims. They simply want to take their heart and soul away from the Jewish people. When they controlled it, it meant nothing to them. Uh, so, but the, 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 Israel, I've never, the streets were filled with thousands and thousands of Israelis, uh, Jews, marching the streets, ecstatic about the, finally this being recognized. And as you know, Paraguay and Guatemala are moving it this week, the embassy. Right. <laughs> Romania, Czech, and Hungary are seriously considering it, and there are many others behind the scenes seriously considering moving it. This has changed everything. Mort, uh, you, you have to have been extremely impressed by everybody 
who spoke on Monday. I mean, every presentation was just so heartfelt and amazing. Uh, and every member of the administration, especially Ambassador Friedman, you know, representing uh, representing uh, the United States, frankly, and, and Jerusalem in many ways, very, very well. Uh, but but not enough could be said about President Trump. I mean, without him, this obviously would never have happened. Uh, how would you how would you say that that for lovers of Israel, he goes down in history? <laughs> He's now a historic figure because of this move. Absolutely. And let me tell you, it was David Friedman and Mike Pence were the big promoters behind the scenes to get this done. Secretary Tillerson was against it. He's gone. Secretary of State Tillerson. McMaster, head of National Security Council, was totally against it. He's gone. And Mattis, although he was not really in favor of it, said, Mr. President, if you want to do this, I will support you every step of the way publicly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, but he had to make the decision. He had pressure from the whole world not to do it. The whole world saying there'll be explosions, violence everywhere, and the man did it, and he deserves enormous credit. I think only a non-politician might have done this because he wasn't so concerned about the politics of it. He was concerned of doing what is right. What about the current Secretary of State? Mm-hmm. Uh, the current Secretary of State, Pompeo, is a tremendous friend of Israel. The, the new Security Council uh, leader, mm-hmm. John Bolton, was my personal friend, tremendous friend of Israel. Uh, and, you know, we have Nikki Haley in the U.N., uh, David Friedman's ambassador. This is a dream team of appointments more we're having trouble hearing you if you could pull over that would be great 747 on a jam in the am wednesday mort klein is with us president of the zoa zionist organization of america you hear his account of what happened in jerusalem this week and some of the other background that's so important he's giving us an honest picture of what's going on in washington and in jerusalem vis-a-vis this move of the embassy <laughs> Mort, um, uh, what was I going to ask you? Yeah, the, the 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 president goes ahead and uh, and makes this move, and the entire world, of course, blames Trump and I guess Netanyahu and and the Israeli officials for the violence that's going on on the Gaza border. If you saw, and I assume you did see, the cover of yesterday's Daily News in New I York, it. it was outrageous. Mm-hmm outrageous uh, it is re- but a lot of people don't know what the answer is when they're when they're when they when these two items or these two issues are are given equal coverage what would you tell people they need to know Hamas riots and the arabs riot every year this time because of their so-called nakba in other words nakba where they condemn the fact that israel came with resistance <laughs> they riots every year this time and uh and we're talking about Hamas Nazis rioting. Their charter calls for the murder of every single Jew. All your Jewish listeners, Hamas one's dead. That's why I call them Nazis. Israel asked them to stay away from the border. They said demonstrate, uh, you know, uh, a few hundred feet from the border, no problem. But they were coming to the border, thousands of them trying to, to tear it down and burn it down. They brought bombs to the border, Molotov cocktails, shooting. And only then was Israel forced to uh, uh, attack those trying to tear down the border fence, which would have allowed thousands of Hamas terrorists to come in and, and, and go into towns and start killing uh, Jews. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, it, it's remarkable that even when Israel is fighting Hamas Nazis, the world sides with the Hamas Nazis. <laughs> um, but they, they weren't successful. And just think, if, we were, if, if in America we had Mexicans or Canadians trying to breach our fence, saying we're going to kill Americans, <laughs> we'd be shooting them all down. We would never allow it. No country. Israel has been incredible how they're trying everything to keep the, the loss of life minimal. Uh, but the uh, uh, Hamas, by the way, leaders, this is not pinned in the press, uh, are saying, enter Israel, tear out the Jews' hearts, murder as many as you can. They say it openly. And they call this the March of Return. They openly say this is to bring millions of Arabs into Israel to destroy the state. This is not about anything other than that. Mort <laughs> um, Klein is with us. He's president of the ZOA, fresh back from the ceremony in Israel. You know, earlier you mentioned to us that this really is a significant week for more than one reason. Uh, you mentioned the Iran deal um, and the, uh, uh, the the revocation of the Iran deal by the uh, by the president. Uh, do you find it interesting, and nobody observes Washington the way you do, do you find it interesting that those Democrats 
that were against the Iran deal suddenly can only afford lukewarm praise for President Trump after its cancellation. It shows that the, the four Democrats out of 46 in the Senate voted against the Iran deal. Four out of 46, and now they're condemning it, which makes it crystal clear they were really never against it. They voted against it for political reasons, and uh, the fact that they're against it now shows that uh, they weren't sincere. <laughs> and I, this deal was maybe the worst deal ever signed in the history of America. <laughs> Obama gave $150 billion up front to the, to the, uh, the Iranian terrorists uh, before we even saw if they were going to fulfill their obligations. They canceled all the sanctions, all of them, immediately. <laughs> they said, we won't inspect your military uh, 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 operations which is, of course, where the nuclear testing and, and work research is being done. Uh, we said, we'll give you four weeks' notice before we in, in, inspect or investigate any of your other uh, areas where we suspect you might be doing research. Uh, this deal was insane, uh, which only leads me to believe one thing. Obama wanted to strengthen Iran, uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran, this terrorist group, uh, to enable them to be able to harm Israel, because the deal was that absurd. Uh, and when, when you're the powerful America and, and, uh, and the, the economy of Iran was collapsing, we could have had any deal we wanted. Obama wanted to help Iran. But thank God Trump <laughs> has ended the deal. Let me tell you, <laughs> yesterday Siemens, the biggest company in Germany, doing business with Iran, publicly announced no more business with Iran. Other companies in Europe are now announcing all over the, 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 the hemisphere no more business with Iran because if they do business with Iran, Trump has going to stop business with them from America, and America is a, mu a much, much bigger economy. So it's working. Iran is scared to death now. They're going all over Europe begging to keep doing business, and now business in America are afraid to, in, in Europe are afraid to do it, and throughout the world. What a difference 16 months make, huh? <clears throat> Absolutely. He's changed everything. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, don't forget, two days ago, Trump threatened Iran. He said, if you dare to start up with nuclear uh, research, there's going to be grave and serious consequences. Right. He all but threatened military action by making that statement. They're scared to death because we have the bunker-busting bombs. We could destroy their entire uh, nuclear facility. And no problem. And, and uh, Israel and America would do it together, and they know it. So uh, this is so important. He's made the world safer. He's made Israel safer by ending this disastrous Iran deal, and Europe only wanted the deal to, to make money, to do business with Iran and get money. And they, didn't, they figured, so let them hit Israel, the hell with it. They didn't care. And, uh, so we have to be enormously grateful. This is now clearly the greatest president for Israel we've ever had. Uh, no question about it. By the way, if, if your listeners want to learn more about this, they can go to zoa.org, zoa.org, and I've written extensively about all of these issues in the last few weeks. And there have been some good presidents vis-a-vis -vis Israel, but none like this one, that's for sure. Mort Klein is president of the ZOA. ZOA.org is the site that Mort just uh, recommended, ZOA.org. I know this isn't the biggest issue, but, you know, yesterday uh, my audience was extremely active in contacting the Daily News, and today I've asked everybody who are New Yorkers, and, of course, a large percentage of this audience do live in the state of New York. I've asked those who are uh, New York State residents to contact the office of Governor Andrew Cuomo. I would assume you know at this point that uh, Andrew Cuomo has postponed his solidarity trip to Israel. And the fact that uh, he cited loss of life and issues like that in the statements about postponement was pretty disturbing, frankly, to me and to many others. Um, if this is truly a solidarity trip, there would be no reason to postpone. I would guess you'd agree with that. No, this is absurd. This the, the Daily News is owned by Mort Zuckerman, a great friend of Israel, but Mort Zuckerman is not well, unfortunately, and so he's not capable of, of controlling the, the newspaper. But they, they called the 55 Arabs killed. These are, almost all of them are Hamas terrorists. Almost all of them. <clears throat> they called it a, ma <clears throat> a, uh, <clears throat> a, mass, a, a massacre of some sort, <clears throat> when in fact, of course, it's not a massacre. These people are trying to tear down the fence. And, 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 and to have a juxtaposition saying how, the, how outrageous it is for Ivanka Trump to be celebrating the moving embassy at the same time. What does the New York Daily News want? Do they think there should be no more TV in Israel while the writing's going on? Should the theaters close down? Should there be no more weddings or celebrations of any sort? This is an absurd uh, proposal that the New York Daily News has done. And, 
uh, I'll tell you, the propagandists of Nazi Germany would have been proud of this cover. For shame to the New York Daily News. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, just on the Cuomo point, I'm, I'm trying to encourage our listeners to contact his office because he has postponed the solidarity trip. Don't you agree if this actually was a trip only about solidarity with Israel, there'd be no reason for him to postpone the journey? Absolutely. This is wrong to postpone it. All he does is give credence and comfort to the Hamas <clears throat> Nazi-like terrorists <clears throat> by postponing it. And he, he sends a message that, uh, that what Israel is doing is not the, the, the right thing to do. So, no, this is really wrong. I'm really shocked that Cuomo, who's always been a good friend of Israel, would, would side with the uh, Hamas terrorists for Israel, simply telling uh, Hamas terrorists to stay away from the border. They can demonstrate all they want, several hundred yards from the border, no problem. But don't come to the border with bombs and Molotov cocktails and knives and axes to try and tear it down. And burning Cuomo and, made a bad decision. And burning kites and all their other... Uh innovative uh, weapons uh yeah um so everybody out there again i am encouraging if you're a new yorker especially let the governor know that and i think mort you agree with this you agree that essentially he's given ammunition to the bdsers right basically yes <laughs> not only cuomo's given ammunition <clears throat> comfort and some solidarity <clears throat> the media has done so by yeah. acting as if you know, Israel is uh, is killing innocent people. And by the way, there's video after video of of Hamas terrorists in stretchers, and then when they when they go 100 yards in the stretcher, they get off the stretcher and walk away. Lots of this are phony lies about the numbers being killed and the numbers being injured. Uh, and yet the media sides with the Hamas Nazis. It's disheartening and really deeply, deeply troubling. Unbelievable. Uh, Mort, I want to end on a positive note. What else can you tell us about Monday sitting there and witnessing all of this? Is there any uh, vignette, any little story, any encounter you had with somebody in the audience that was extra meaningful to you on Monday? <laughs> I was sitting with a bunch of African-Americans, leading African-Americans from uh, uh, there at the meeting, and they were raving about Trump and saying Trump has been great for Israel, for Jews, for America, and for blacks. They were saying black, the black unemployment rate, they said it's collapsed. Why aren't African-Americans supporting uh, Trump, who's done the best for blacks economically of any president, much better than Obama? That's what these leading African-Americans have said. I won't name them because uh, it was private conversation, but uh, I found that, that extraordinary. And they were cheering louder than anyone when Benjamin Netanyahu walked into the room. Unbelievable. Mort Mazaltov, I'm, I'm flattered that your first call once you landed was to us. Thank you so much for sharing all this with us. Great to be doing. Yes, you are doing a great job educating the truth of the Arab-Islamic war against Israel. <clears throat> the truth is on Israel's side. Amen. Thank you, Mort Klein. Mort Klein is president of the ZOA, literally uh, landed uh, this morning, early this morning, from Israel after the ceremony and uh, his visit to Israel during this historic embassy week. That was my conversation with Mort Klein, president of the ZOA, the Zionist Organization of America. Pastor Bob Roberts joined us uh, last week in the aftermath of the embassy celebration to discuss evangelical Christian support for Israel. Pastor Roberts serves his congregation down in Texas and has some interesting comments about the recent developments in Israel and the Middle East. Here's that conversation for you on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, well, when I was down in Washington, remember I told everybody about um, Rabbi Schneier and the uh, the day in Washington that was on, literally on the 70th anniversary, uh, Anya Matzmut, um, or at least, you know, the uh, that week. Um, down in Washington, D.C., there was a an unbelievable ceremony uh, that marked the uh, friendship that Azerbaijan a majority Muslim country has with the state of Israel. And uh, it really gave a all of us a unique perspective on uh, <laughs> on those who generally we think have to be against Israel, who uh, are in fact are friends with and are, and are friendly with Israel. And one of the people I met down there in Washington is uh, Dr. Bob Roberts. Dr. Bob Roberts is senior pastor at the Northwood Church down in Keller, Texas. And he has worked in 
countries all around the world with with one with a couple of different messages. One is a message of brotherhood. Another one is the a message of uh, of support for and admiration for the state of Israel. Uh, Pastor Roberts, an absolute delight to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. Nahum, I am excited to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, tell us about this week. You know, we have been celebrating here. Uh, we have been, uh, as you can imagine, <laughs> those of us who are, are Jewish and lovers of Israel have gotten tremendous satisfaction from this week's events. Uh, tell me how you view what happened in Jerusalem this past Monday. Well, I think that it's, I think that it's good, and I think that it's inevitable, and I think it's something uh, that should have happened a long time ago. And so I'm, I'm pleased with what's happened. Uh, obviously, um, I'm sure just like you, I'm, I'm sad uh, with some of the tension. I'd like for there to be more celebration and not as much uh, uh, dissension that we see uh, with the Palestinians, but I understand that as well. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm glad that Israel has done that. I just want to see that whole area at peace. I'm passionate about that. Uh, that I know. Uh, you certainly are. Um, tell me about your, your first journey to Israel. How long ago did you actually make it over to the Holy Land? The first time I went to the Holy Land was, gosh, uh, it was 10 years ago, and it was incredible. It was one of the most profound experiences of my life. So understand, grew up as a little boy, as a Christian pastor, going to Sunday school, hearing the stories of of uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Jesus and, and all of the Christian stories that we have. And it was just life trans- transforming. I had to go there on a diplomatic mission, and I did not want to see the Holy Land for the first time running to different government offices. And so for my 50th birthday, uh, my wife bought us a couple of plane tickets, and by ourselves, we went and literally had a profound experience for 10 days. It was one of the greatest experiences of my entire life. Dr. Bob Roberts is with us. Pastor Roberts is uh, down in Texas, and uh, we're talking about this week's events and Israel in general. Um, you know, every time we have someone of your background on the air, and I say this with the, with the greatest respect, and I think you know that, we know each other a short time, but I think <laughs> I think you know the sincere relationship that we already have built. Um, I, I ask the same question. That is that this audience is always curious why there is such support from your community and your constituents for Israel. Is it something you could explain to us? You bet. And that is an incredible question, Nahum, because I, I support Israel. But if you look at the evangelical community where we are historically, Many of the evangelicals support Israel because of their eschatology or their understanding of the end times of the world. And there's some interpretations that say before Jesus can come back, the Jews have to go back to the Holy Land, the temple has to be rebuilt, and and then Jesus can come. Now, we don't know that for sure. It's speculation. Uh, So we look at our scriptures, and it implies that. But I think that as evangelicals, we have got to have better reasons for that than supporting the nation of Israel. Better reasons because, number one, it's speculative theology. Better reasons because, in my opinion, it undermines the humanity of the Jews because it says that you're a pawn in my theology to make my theology work. And so I I think that we have to have some stronger reasons. And if you want them, there's about four or five reasons why I tell young evangelicals and older evangelicals why we should support Israel. Please. Uh, okay. The, fir- the first thing is that there are historic people in a historic place, and you just, no one debates that. Uh, if, if you deny that, uh, you just don't know history. Uh, they, they are historic people with a historic place. Second of all, they have been a dispersed and a persecuted people. And so because of that, human rights demands that these issues be ad- addressed. Third, in the post-colonial world that we live in, uh, there was a lot of uh, lines that were drawn from many different nations from the, from the late 1800s until after World War II. You can debate, should have those lines been driven here, drawn here, or drawn there? But the reality is we have to work with what we've been given. And if we start erasing all that, there's no hope. Now, we've got that opportunity for Israel. And if you look at people like 
the Kurds and the Pashto and the Hmong people. These are peoples that are spread across many nations. And the reality is it creates massive instability in all of those nations. And so I think one of the most stabilizing effects for the entire world is for the Jews to have the homeland there. And so I'm trying to push more of a geopolitical reason that we should support Israel apart from our speculative theology. Because here's what we do know in our theology. Our theology, as followers of Jesus, teaches us that we should love all people and that 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 we should uh, support them, that we should help them. So there's enough theology that that's that's not speculative, that talks about how we should love, care, support others. Matthew 25 is is a very important chapter for us as evangelicals about uh, people who are homeless, uh, uh, hungry, thirsty, and so forth. So I'm trying to put the shift over there because here's something else I would say: the evangelical community. Sorry about that clock. I'm running out of my office. Uh, the, the evangelical community, I, I think if we don't shift our focus for why we support Israel, over time we're going to lose support. And I don't, I don't want that to happen. Pastor Roberts, I said this to you when I met you. I, I feel uh, an obligation in this forum uh, to say thank you, to say thank you for your support, for your encouragement. I'm curious, by the way, um, would your theology dictate that because of the way he's recognized Jerusalem, President Trump gets some gold stars up there <laughs> during his term. How how would you view uh, the the way God is likely to reward someone like him for recognizing Jerusalem and and dealing with it the way he has? Now, um, you're asking me a question only God can answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard question. I, I will leave that to God because here's the thing I've learned about uh, working with uh, global political leaders. There's all kind of things that we hear out front, but there are also things that go on behind the scenes, and all these are good or bad. So, so I don't know. You know, I, I am I am grateful to President Trump that he's recognized uh, Israel. I wish. Uh, Jonathan Sachs is one of my heroes. Right. I've read all of his books, and I've been with him, and and uh, he's created a passion in me for the love of Jewish commentaries of the Hebrew Scriptures. Reference, wish, referencing the former chief rabbi of the United Kingdom, right? Oh, oh yes. I love him so much. But he, uh, and he's really impacted my life and my church in many different ways. But, but one of the things that I wish— uh, I wish something could have been done. You know, we don't have an embassy with the Palestinians. I wish we could have done a consulate or something for them uh, so they would uh, – I, I don't know. I, wanted, I want to be able to keep Israel secure, but I also know the Jews that I know are also concerned about the Palestinians, from Rabbi Sachs to David Saperstein. I can go down the list. So I'm concerned about that, obviously, uh, but I, I still think that we have to move forward, yeah. and uh, we can't live in the past. So I guess the question is, how do we move forward and keep everybody together? And I don't have an answer for that. Do you? Uh, I, wish I, I, I wish I did, frankly. All I know is that uh, I'm not willing, and I would bet Rabbi Sachs and others are not willing you know, to, to give in to quote-unquote peace at any cost. We need peace within reason. And I, I agree I, with that. I would hope, yeah, I know you agree. Of course you agree, and you're a sensible man, and I would hope that— uh, you know, those on all sides would, would come to that reality at some point. That would be probably the best thing that could happen. Uh, I can't thank no, you. I, I'm sorry, go ahead. You bet. No, no, no. That's great. I, I enjoyed being with you, Nate. I, I very can, much. I can't thank you enough. Looking forward to our next encounter in person. Uh, God bless you, and uh, and thanks so much for joining me this morning. You have a great day. Dr. Bob, Bob Roberts, a senior pastor down at the Northwood Church in Keller, Texas. As I said, we met in Washington, D.C., at the ceremony that recognized Azerbaijan, a Muslim-majority country, and its positive relationship with Israel. And um, as I said, I had, I had a, uh, I felt it was appropriate in this forum to, uh, to bring him on just to thank him and really so many of his colleagues for their support of uh, Israel and Jerusalem. That was my conversation with Pastor Bob Roberts. Lena Epstein, who's running for Congress in Michigan, joined me recently on JM in the AM. Uh, she believes we need more supporters of Israel in Congress, and she wants to accomplish that by winning the election this coming November. Lena Epstein on this edition of JM Rewind.
on the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, this past Sunday night, uh, many of you know where I was. I was at the um, Friends of the Jerusalem College of Technology dinner, had the honor of uh, presiding over the program that night at Lincoln Square Synagogue. And at some point, I was introduced uh, to a lovely lady, Lena Epstein. Lena Epstein is a millennial who has spent the last decade as a savvy automotive industry businesswoman, community leader, and nationally recognized conservative. She's a third-generation co-owner of a Southfield, Michigan-based company, Vesco Oil, one of the largest distributors of automotive industrial lubricants and supporting services in the country. She is running in the 11th congressional district in Michigan um, for what is essentially, if my research is correct, what's essentially right now going to be an open seat since the incumbent is not running for re-election. Lena Epstein, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. What do you think of uh, President Trump's decision yesterday to essentially maintain and keep his campaign promise that the Iran deal is going to be eliminated? This is just another phenomenal example of promises made and promises kept from our president, Donald Trump. When uh, in 2016, right before the election for that for most of that year, I served as President Trump's statewide co-chair for the state of Michigan. And one of the reasons I got behind President Trump very early on in his campaign trail was because I knew that he would be able to deliver on some if not many, of the promises that he was making on the trail. The most personal, the most critical to me as far as our international relations was and is the Iran deal, the worst deal in American foreign history, in my opinion and in the president's opinion. It's truly an important day for the relationship between our two countries, between Israel and the United States. But more than that, this is an important day for the security around the world. I'm thrilled for President Trump. I'm thrilled for the Jewish community. I'm thrilled for the Republican Party. And most importantly, I'm thrilled for the globe because we are one step closer to, to international security as a result of the president's actions. Lena Epstein with us, candidate in the 11th district in uh, in Michigan. How's the campaign going so far? Do you have a lot of uh, competition? Is it starting to become a heated campaign? How would you describe it? Uh, the campaign is going very well. I am the definitive front-runner in the race. I'm the only Republican Jewish woman in the race and the only job creator. Uh, There is a crowded primary field of career politicians and individuals that have essentially joined the swamp to retain their positions in politics. What makes me very unique as a candidate, and and this is one of the things I also loved about Donald Trump, is that I'm not doing this for a career. I'm a businesswoman. I'm a job creator. And I believe in a citizen legislature and the idea that people will go and serve their fellow American in Congress and then come back to the trades and skills that we know and that we love and that we're good at. I'm a business owner, a job creator. I've been running my family business. It's called Vesco Oil Corporation for the last 15 years. And I got involved in politics when the recession hit in Michigan And a third of our customers closed their doors. And I learned, Nahum, that over 95% of federal legislators had never created a job. So I'm a very unique candidate. A millennial Jewish female Republican from a family of Democrats, extremely well-funded. I have five times as many dollars on hand as the number two competitor. And I have the support of the base because of the work that I did for President Trump. So we have a very exciting campaign, and we can't take anything for granted. But I am quite confident that come November 8th of this year, I will win and will be victorious and will be asked to represent the citizens of Michigan's 11th District. Hmm. Lena Epstein is with us. Uh, How would you describe the economy in Michigan today, 2018? Sure. So we are the comeback kid in the country. I always say that Michigan workers, the Michigan uh, work ethic is at the heart and soul of the American spirit. And we have such tenacity, such grit in Southeast Michigan. Jobs are coming back to our region as a result of a, the, of a Trump administration. The economy is growing. Stock market has been strong. Consumer confidence has had record highs. We have seen record un- low unemployment. And Michigan, 
Detroit in particular is feeling that. When I was at uh, the event on Sunday night with you, I invited members of the New York community, the Jewish community, to come to Detroit and to see all of the exciting things that are going on in Southeast Michigan. We have tremendous, tremendously wonderful quality of life. It's a great place to call home and a very strong, close-knit Jewish community. One of my mentors and heroes is Gary Torgo. Mm. He's one of the reasons why I was in New York on Sunday night. But there are so many important, prominent leaders upon whose shoulders I will sit, giants in our community that have, that have set the tone and led the Jewish community across this country. These are the heroes that I look up to and that, God willing, I will be able to serve once elected to Congress. If I remember correctly, I think uh, back in the day it was Oak Park and Southfield. I think those were the two areas that were uh, noticeable Jewish communities in that area of Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. You're, and not only are you not mistaken, but those populations, are the our, our communities are growing. People are returning to Southeast Michigan and the Jewish community, uh, and, it, and it's thriving. It's thriving. I invite any of your listeners who are curious about the economy in Southeast Michigan to go to our website, lenaforcongress.com. I'd be happy for my, my office is always trying to share the positive information about everything that's going on in the Jewish community of Southeast Michigan and the community at large. And I assume that those of us who are outside of Michigan can donate and support your, uh, uh, your run for Congress as well. If we go to the website. Absolutely. I would invite everyone to take a moment and check us out at lenaforcongress.com. That's L E N A. F-O-R-Congress.com. My husband and I have put in a significant amount of our own money. We believe in what we're doing, and we're ready to to serve. And I'm inviting the the community, I'm asking the community to help support me in this process so that I can be a leader and a champion of the Jewish people once elected. And when when you say community, you mean community nationwide? Correct. The Jewish community nationwide. I've said this to many leaders in the Jewish community across the country, that it will be my goal to be the champion of the Jewish people, the champion of the relationship between the United States and Israel once I'm elected to Congress. Mm. Well, that night, that night that the Iran deal became a real, that, that night that, that everyone voted for it, right. I said to my husband, I said, this is the worst thing that's ever happened in American politics. We have Congress people voting to save their jobs. We have Congress people legislating on areas pertaining to the relationship between the United States and Israel that are ill-prepared to do this. And I need to be a part of the change that I want to see in the world for my daughter, Emma, for all of our kids, for the future of the Israeli state, for the future of the Israeli and the Jewish people. That propelled me forward. So if anything, I guess I should thank the deal for getting me forward, and I'm thrilled <laughs> I'm thrilled at the president's action. <laughs> Talk about looking at the positive aspect. How badly would you love to be in Jerusalem this Monday when the embassy officially opens in the capital of Israel? I would be thrilled. I was actually at the Israeli embassy in D.C., less than 48 hours after President Trump made his declaration last December. And I can tell you the the passion in the room and the passion that this president has for the Jewish community. I was in the White House for the Hanukkah party, singing Ma'ot Sur with with President Trump and, and a whole host of Jewish supporters. This president loves, loves the Jewish community. Of course, Jared and Ivanka speak for themselves, but he has gone out of his way over and over again to fulfill these promises, and it just highlights how critical Israel and Israel's success is to the rest of the world. And I'm so thrilled to be a part of this. I'm running to be the next congresswoman for Michigan's 11th, but it will be my goal to represent all Jewish people across the country on selection. Hey, Lena, do me a favor. Join me in reminding our community that, I mean, you know the president well. It's really important. It's really important for all of us who were against this Iran deal and who were celebrating yesterday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. It's really important for us to contact the White House, the president, by mail, by email, uh, phone calls, etc., and thank him for what he's done. 
Yes, the Office of Political Affairs inside of the White House is the interface for community members and the administration, and they have excellent constituent services. I interface with the Office of Political Affairs probably on a weekly basis. Uh, After serving as President Trump's co-chair for Michigan, we went red for the first time since 1988. And I was seven at that time. I can't tell you what was going on on the ground then, but we went red, and President Trump was so supportive of the Jewish community that there was no way that I could turn away. And so I would invite everybody to to go to the Office of Political Affairs and express your enthusiasm and your support for the president's actions as it pertains to Israel. Lena, we're rooting for you. I hope we could be in touch between now and November. Best of luck on the campaign trail. And we'll remind everybody that the website with all the information is lenaforcongress.com. Thank you so much for having me. And to all of your listeners, I do look forward to serving the entire Jewish community. I will give it everything I've got. And I look forward to meeting you along the trail. A pleasure. Great seeing you on Sunday night. And uh, everybody out there, get to the website. Support somebody who's uh, going to be an amazing leader in the United States House of Representatives. Lena for Congress.com. That was my conversation with congressional candidate Lena Epstein in uh, Michigan. Uh, Bernie Honig joined me recently. He is uh, one of the founders. The Honig and Wadler fa- uh, families are founders of American Friends of Aterit Koanim. And we had a chance in advance of their dinner last week to speak with him about the 40-year-old organization and their incredible work. Bernie Honig, on a recent edition of JM in the AM with us, now on JM Rewind, at the Nahum Siegel Network. Yesterday was a remarkable day. We kept saying Yom Embassy Sameach <laughs> after a Sunday's Yom Yerushalayim Sameach and yesterday's Yom Chevron. Uh, all we kept saying yesterday was uh, Yom Embassy Sameach. What an amazing day. We had five hours of programming yesterday morning commemorating one of the greatest days in modern Jewish history, frankly. We did it with our friends at the American Friends of Ateret Kohanim. Um, they are continuing the celebration tomorrow night. If you haven't gotten your reservations in yet, get them in. They're at Terrace on the Park tomorrow night. Help honor the U.S. Embassy move to our undivided capital. Help honor the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, who will be represented at the dinner tomorrow night and no doubt will be informed about the size of the crowd and the type of ovation he uh, will receive. And at that point, we'll have received already. Uh, it's tomorrow night at Terrace on the Park, JerusalemChai.org slash dinner, JerusalemChai.org slash dinner. A lot of guests yesterday. If you missed any of it, of course, we have it all archived at NahumSiegel.com. In studio with Shani Haiken, Chaim Liebteg, and Gershon Varoba. Uh, phone number for the uh, for the event, 212-216-9270, 212-216-9270. And as we keep saying, if cost is a problem, speak to Shani. She'll make sure you are at the dinner, and I guarantee you that, 212-216-9270. There are many distinguished honorees tomorrow night, including... Bone Yerushalayim honor recipients, Jennifer and Joseph Honig, who, of course, we know as Joey Honig, and um, is somebody who's very, very well known in the community. And um, it is no secret that the Honig and Wadler families are often cited as the founders of the American Friends of Aterit Kohanim, and it's with great pleasure and a real honor that I welcome to JM in the AM Mr. Bernie Honig, who is with us Live via telephone, Mr. Honig, welcome to JM and the AM. And I'm going to say to you, uh, as I extend the celebration another day, I'm going to say to you, Yom Embassy Sameach. And I say to you, Yom Embassy Sameach, too. <laughs> Nachum, thank you very much. It's an honor and a privilege to be on your uh, radio show. I appreciate that. Now, I, um, like I said, and maybe it's just a coincidence, uh, but nothing in life is a coincidence. Uh-huh. I, I, I mean, I go back... Many, many years. We're talking about um, uh, all the way back to the late 1980s, early 1990s, when Louis Bloom of Blessed Memory was giving tours of what is known commonly as the Muslim Quarter. We call it the Old Jewish Quarter. Right. And at that time, you know, it it, it was, I mean, to think about what has happened with Aterit Khanim in those, you know, over all these decades, at that time, they were, they were, offering singles and young couples to come into the one, 
to three properties they were able to secure. The yeshiva was just, you know, sort of getting going, which I'm sure you remember very, very well. Oh, yes. And, and, it was, and who would have dreamt that we would get to this point, get to this point where hundreds of families are in each one of these communities and that Jerusalem is growing Jewishly the way it is. And like I said, your family and the Wadler family are, are recognized as the ones who started the stream of support through American friends from the USA. So it must give you tremendous nachas, number one, to see your children honored. That's number one tomorrow night. And number two, to see what has happened over the last 40 years. It's, uh, it's an amazing, an amazing uh, turn of events uh, in all these uh, years. And uh, yes, uh, as you said, it's really a, a great privilege and an honor and uh, exciting for us, my wife and Anne and I, for to celebrate uh, Yom Yerushalayim tomorrow night and, uh, and the uh, moving of the embassy yeah. and to share it at that same moment with my, my son, uh, Joey, and, and my daughter-in-law, Jennifer. It's, it's a, a privilege and an honor to be there tomorrow. So Joey basically grew up with your, with your love of Jerusalem and Israel, huh? Oh, Joey <laughs> knew uh, all about a tarot conim. I think it was a household word. I don't think uh, uh, a day went by where somehow a tarot conim was not mentioned. And uh, he knew Louis Bloom and uh, Menachem Bar Shalom. Sure. Uh, and they stayed at our house and, uh, uh, in the early days and uh, when they came here to, to do some fundraising after we organized the American Friends of Tarot Conim. So it was very much a part of our and, and my children's existence uh, there at Conim. So you knew a lot of the, um, of the students and a lot of the young couples who literally slept on the floor the first few nights or longer in those buildings? Oh, that, yes. That uh, means- we, we visited the building uh, back in 1983. That was the first time my wife and I literally stumbled into the Muslim quarter and met Mati Dan, and we saw the what I can only describe as hovels and, and uh, uh, with, with beds that I don't think I can even lower uh, <laughs> the bed. Uh, they slept on the floor, and there's cots and uh, straw mattresses, and, uh, and it's the uh, young fellows who were in the yeshiva had to take a shower in the middle of the winter. They had to walk out uh, two blocks to find some uh, other building where there was uh, the facilities were available to them. It was... It was uh, a great act of mysterious nefesh on everybody's part just to be involved in it. And, and, and they did it with the most positive attitude you've ever seen, right? That's 100%. <laughs> without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, they're searching for showers. They're trying to you know, get the basic necessities. And they're doing it with the greatest smile and the most amazing commitment to uh, the one above and to the city of Jerusalem, frankly. Truthfully, I don't know how they do it. I... I to, to each and every one of these young families that, that live uh, there in the Muslim Quarter. They, they are the real Jewish heroes of our day today. There's no question about it. By the way, you have to help me with uh, one of the themes from yesterday's show, which, which, uh, which we reiterated, uh, but I'd love to mention it again now. Yeah. Uh, you're one of the organizations where literally... The more money you have, the more progress you make. Like literally, a lot of people wonder about organizations and do these projects get off the ground. At the stage that the American Friends of Atarit Konim is at and that Atarit Konim itself is at, the more money that is brought in tomorrow night or any time, literally the more people can move in, the more property can be obtained. No question about it. And uh, we, we uh, especially under the uh, guidance and leadership of uh, Shani Hike and I am Leipzig uh, here in, in the United States. Uh, we use every penny that we can to uh, support the young families, the nurseries, the schools, the playgrounds, and anything possible. All directed, uh, I say, should say, ninety-nine percent directed towards the young people in the community over there. That's really our goal, and uh, it's it's very rewarding if anybody goes. Uh, to Israel, they must go on an Atarit Kohanim tour. Uh, if they can get Daniel Luria, he's unbelievable as it, to lead the tour. Uh, and uh, very often, Mati Don will lead the people on the tour. But to see these young families there and with smiles on their faces at all times, that's, it's, 
it sort of gives me a chill up my back when I even think about it. I just admire them so much. Bernie Honig's with us talking about a Tarek Khanim. Uh, he, uh, the Honig family and the Wadler family, recognizes the founders of American Friends of a Tarek Khanim 40 years ago. And each time you go, and I would assume you go relatively often, I mean, I know in our case, uh, <laughs> I was in the Yemenite village, you know, a couple of years ago, saw about, I don't know, 15, 20 families. And now we get reports that they're over 100 which is pretty rapid growth, frankly, in an area like that. Uh, unbelievable. We were there the last time we were in the Yemenite villages about uh, two years ago, and uh, Daniel Luria took us uh, uh, up there again. This is not the first time we were there, and I was amazed at the uh, how it expanded and these young couples, the brave young couples living up there in the Yemenite village. There was even a, a playground up, up on a little hill behind uh, uh, one of the homes, and uh, it was just unbelievable to see these people and the smiles and whatnot. And they try so hard, so hard to be warm and friendly to their Arab neighbors. And uh, right. I just wish it would be reciprocated. But they're always, always with a smile on their face and and, and giving a, a shalom aleichem or a salam to uh, <laughs> to uh, to the uh, their neighbors. And, and they try, they try very hard. So Bernie Honig, for uh, for I guess close to the fortieth time, you and Anne, and in this case uh, Jennifer and Joey, are basically asking people to just come and enjoy a dinner. <laughs> come enjoy I, the dinner, uh, learn a lot more about the organization, salute President Trump, and celebrate Yom Yerushalayim. I hope that we have a wonderful turnout because this is our opportunity here in the United States uh, to to continue the celebration that began yesterday. It's, it's, we will participate in this historical moment. And that's the beauty of being involved in the Terracone Inn, by the way. It's one of the few organizations where whatever you do, whether you put in a dollar or $10,000, you're a part of Jewish history. You're actually building Yerushalayim, and that, that's an uncanny accomplishment that any organization can boast of. Yeah, and as I pointed out uh, multiple times, because these projects are, are in motion, so many of them, you give a dollar or anything, and you're getting a tremendous bang for your buck. I mean, it is literally going to fund stuff immediately. No and, question about it. No question. The, you hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, it really is amazing. So to the Honigs, Jennifer and to Joey, and to the Nerins, Shira and Dr. Benjamin, and to the Sichels, Young Leadership uh, Awardees, we spoke with Jonathan yesterday, made a tremendous presentation here, uh, to Jonathan and Dr. Ilana, and of course to Mrs. Nira Rabinovich, who I'm sure you know very well. Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> we congratulate all of them, and of course we congratulate and thank the President of the United States, who's going to be recognized tomorrow night as well. It's all happening at Terrace in the Park. We're asking everybody to come on out, participate in this Yom Yushalayim celebration, um, the president will be informed by the acceptor of his award, guaranteed he'll be informed, the size of the crowd and the type of ovation and reception uh, the president got at the presentation of the award, the Bonnet Yerushalayim Award. So it's a really, really good idea for those of us who want to show our Hakarat HaTov to be there and to recognize this incredible historic day that took place yesterday information go to jerusalemchai.org slash dinner again jerusalemchai.org slash dinner and bernie honig says you could honor any of the honorees not just jennifer and joey you can honor whoever you wish Everybody. <laughs> and the phone number is 212-216-9270 again 212-216-9270 a real pleasure to speak to you and uh, it's you know for a lot of people it's difficult, and I'm sure you've you know you've had hurdles like this. It's difficult to stay passionate about a cause for 40 years, but your family's done a pretty good job at it. That's, I was just thinking about that, Nachum. As a matter of fact, before <laughs> I called in, that uh, we've been with this organization so long. It's just so much a part of our our DNA already. It's uh, and it's it, it is unusual. Uh, sometimes people grow tired of an organization, or they they become a little burnt out. Uh, we're still moving along on it. And, of course, we have the encouragement of people like Mati and Daniel and yeah. Shani and Chaim, and and, and uh, they give us chizik, too. They, they're terrific people. Yeah. We're, we're just very privileged uh, to have people like that uh, head up our organization. Yeah, their collective legacy will be builders right. of Jerusalem, which is right. just amazing. Right. Uh, Bernie, thank you. Thank you, Kolak Kavod, Mazal Tov on tomorrow night, and uh, and uh, we we look forward to celebrating with you and everybody at the big dinner.
Thank you. We look forward to seeing everybody there tomorrow night. There it is, everyone. You have another uh, another invitation, this time from uh, Mr. Bernie Honig, one of the founders of Atarat Kohanim's American Division, American Friends. Uh, go to JerusalemChai.org slash dinner or 212-216-9270. It is an amazing opportunity to continue the Yom Embassy celebration. That concludes my conversation with Bernie Honig and this edition of JM Rewind. Thanks so much for tuning in. JM Rewind every single Tuesday right after JM in the AM. I'm glad you joined us for this edition. Make sure to be tuned in to all of our great programming here at the Nahum Siegel Network.